bless you. God bless you this morning. Thank you, Pastor Tara, Pastor Mike. Thank you for joining with us this morning. I don't know about you, but I'm reminded of the old favorite hymn of the church throughout the centuries, Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace. And I was thinking of that this week. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. You know what? God has brought us through many dangers, toils, and snares in the past. And you know what? His grace will bring us through today, and His grace will be sufficient for tomorrow. I don't know about you, but without God's grace, I couldn't stand. I look back. Uh, without Christ, before I was a Christian, everything I started, when it got difficult, I quit. You know, I remember uh, joining the uh, local town football um, league, Pop, Pop Warner, I think it was called. And I remember it was at the end of the summer, they'd stop practices and they would be pretty grueling and, uh, you know, uh, be, be difficult and hot and, you know, just, I didn't want to go. So you know what I did? I just quit. I remember uh, being uh, a part of the LaSalle Academy freshman baseball team. I had made the starting uh, lineup in my freshman year, but during the spring break, I go to practice. But you know what? I didn't go to practice because I didn't feel like it. I, I was doing other things, and then when I went back to school and thinking I'm still on the team, I found out I'm not on the team. The coach didn't have a uniform for me. I was finished. I was done. And I share that with you because in my humanness, just like you, uh, I don't have what it takes. I'll quit. I'll give up. I'll get discouraged. I'll, I'll not press through. I'll not press on. Um, but with God's grace, we can make it. I want to encourage you today. I don't know where you're at right now. I think all of us have good days, bad days, up and down discouraged, encouraged, faith-filled, fearful, but through it all, through it all, you know what? His grace is still so amazing. And I stand here this morning because of His grace. I'm just like you. I have questions. I have fears. I have uh, discouragements. I have sleepless nights. But you know what? Through it all, I'm just trusting in His amazing grace. It's His grace that sustains us. It's His grace that sees us through. Amen? So please, be encouraged. Know that we are truly made of the same stuff. Uh, I might be a pastor and, and I might uh, encourage you, but you know what? I, I'm still just like you, needing His grace every day, every day. Amen? So God bless you. Welcome again. I'm so glad you've joined with us. And I just encourage you to just continue to share this post and encourage others to join. And if you're watching this morning, get your Bible out because it's important what God's Word says. It's, it's so important that you yourself dig into the Word of God, uh, look at the Word of God, hear the Word of God. You know, the Bible says that he who has ears to hear, let him hear what, what the Spirit says to the church. And it's so important to have ears to hear. Amen? So I just want to encourage you this morning, please listen. And listen with your spiritual ear. You know, I was, I was in Kenya this past uh, October or September uh, with my, my son, Philip. 
and uh, went away for about 10 days, and we had an amazing time. We were on safari. We visited um, uh, an elephant ref, uh, um, hospital and a giraffe uh, ref, uh, little you know, area where they, they nursed them back to health. And, and we had just an amazing, amazing time. And uh, it was an orphanage. That's what it was for, for giraffes and for elephants. And we had an amazing time. And our driver was a great guy. His name was Steve. And uh, we just had an amazing time with him. But because of my uh, inability to fully understand him, and he couldn't even understand me, although I think I'm speaking English, but uh, he didn't fully understand. And we had some times where we didn't quite know what each other was saying. But he asked us as we were traveling uh, one day and wanted to know what we wanted to do. And he asked us, he said, uh, do you like snakes? And uh, he wanted to take us to a place where there were snakes. But what I heard was, do you like snacks? And, uh, and it was like I'm sitting there and I'm saying, yeah, I love snacks. You want some snacks? And I had my bag full of snacks. And, and here we are. And he said, yeah, I like snacks too. And, and we think we're each saying one thing, but we're hearing something different. He was saying, do you like snakes? And I heard, do you like snacks? And when I said I have snacks, he says, he was here and I, I have snakes. So again, it is so easy to misunderstand and not hear clearly. And my heart and my desire when I read the word, even when I preach the word or teach the word, is that you hear clearly. You know, there was an old Andre Crouch song back in the 70s or 80s, and some of you never even heard of Andre Crouch, but that's okay. I haven't heard of some of the singers of today, but, but the, matter, the fact of the matter is he's, he sang a song. He says, we need a word from you, God. Lord, we need to hear from you. And if there was ever a time when you and I need to hear from God, it's now. And you know what? God is speaking. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. God's desire is for you to hear his voice. God wants to speak to you, not, not audibly, but in that still, small voice of the Spirit through the Word of God. Listen, I don't stand up here to, to impress you with, with some new, new thing or with, with some sort of uh, 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 pastoral eloquence or ability to communicate, but, but what I want to do is simply share the Scriptures and hope that the Holy Spirit would quicken it to your heart and that your ears would hear. So turn to the person next to you and say, can you hear the Word of God this morning? Do you have ears to hear? Amen. So you could even type that in the comments, say, I have ears to hear this morning. And so I want to share with you from the passage of Scripture found in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. This is uh, the Palm Sunday passage of Scripture. This is the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into the city of Jerusalem in a, the most strategic time of his life, the last week of his life. It's known as Palm Sunday. Uh, traditionally, in, in, um, in, in church history, it became known as Palm Sunday because of the palms that were waved in praise to Jesus when he entered, uh, was entering into the city of Jerusalem. But it's known as uh, the triumphal entry of Christ. He was coming into the city of Jerusalem, 
as the Messiah. He was declaring himself as as the king that was prophesied, as the Messiah that was prophesied. And he enters into the city, and this is the, the Sunday before Good Friday, the Sunday before all of the unfolding of the most important events in church history, in the history of the world. This week would begin with Palm Sunday. It would lead up to Jesus celebrating the Passover, experiencing again uh, the agony in Gethsemane and facing betrayal and arrest. And then he would be crucified on Friday. We know it is Good Friday. And then on Sunday, he would be raised from the dead. What I want to mention to you is that we will have live streaming Wednesday night. It will be more of a prayer focus (coughs) Wednesday night. But Friday night will be Good Friday service that we're going to have. And I want to encourage you to get some uh, juice, grape juice if you don't have it. Get some crackers, some bread. And and we're going to partake of communion together. I think that would be such an awesome thing to do on Good Friday. So please prepare for that. We will have communion. We'll celebrate communion through live streaming. And so I just want to encourage you with that thought. So here we are in in, uh, Luke chapter 19, and I want to read verses 28 to verse 40. When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he came near Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet that he sent two of his disciples saying, Go into the village opposite you where you will enter. You will find a cold tide on which no one has ever sat. Loose him and bring him here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing him? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of him. So those who were sent departed and found it just as Jesus had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him, the colt, to Jesus And they threw their own garments on the colt, and they sat Jesus on him. And as he went, they spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Here we have Jesus in dramatic fashion coming into Jerusalem in a way that would unmistakably uh, make a claim to him being the Messiah. God's anointed king. Now, what impressed me about this this Palm Sunday, this first Palm Sunday, was that how carefully everything was planned. It wasn't haphazard. Jesus just didn't go about it uh, uh, with with, without any forethought. It was not sudden or an impulsive action. Uh, but, But Jesus arranged the time the mode of transportation, the specific animal that he would ride, and even the scriptural context 
There were many scriptures that were fulfilled on this triumphal entry, this first Palm Sunday, one of them being Zechariah 9, verse 9, saying, Behold, your king comes to you lowly, riding on a donkey. And that was the prophecy of the coming Messiah, and Jesus would fulfill that prophecy. So what impressed me was that everything was prepared. Everything was made ready in the plans and the purposes of God. You see, this was the last week of Jesus' life and ministry on planet Earth. This would be the week that was most crucial and critical in the redemption of mankind, the, the, the way being made for you and I to be forgiven of our sins, to have a, a substitutionary sacrifice being made, that being the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who would die on a cross and he would take your penalty and my penalty so that you and I can be forgiven and have the hope of eternal life if we would trust him, believe in him, and repent of our sins. So here we see Jesus entering into the great city of Jerusalem. He would celebrate the Passover, which would tie the Old Testament or the Old Covenant and the New Covenant together and initiate a new covenant made, especially made powerfully through his blood. He would experience the agony of Gethsemane where Christ would wrestle uh, not with the devil as much as he would wrestle with his own will and he would struggle and he would tell the Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And three times he went back to the place of prayer and he struggled with his own self, his own will, but he finally, and thank God, he surrendered to the will of God. We know during this week he would be arrested. He would be tried and eventually be crucified on Good Friday. He would be buried and praise God. On the third day, he would rise from the dead, triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. And so as I'm looking at this passage of Scripture, as I'm contemplating this as we are in this holy week, and I'm thinking about, Palm Sunday, and I'm thinking about how God in his sovereign plan and purpose had everything planned, everything prepared, everything put in place. You see, I look at this and I say, God is sovereign, meaning he is all-powerful and almighty and in control of everything, and he can do whatever he wills to do. And in his sovereign plan and purpose, he had prepared everything. He had set the table, if you will. And you know, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, what, what is it, April, April 5th, April 5th, 2020. I was thinking of the time in history that God in his sovereignty has allowed you and I to be alive. Now, you might say, what? What is so special about being alive during a worldwide pandemic, a crisis of epic proportions that we have never seen? What, what, what purpose or, or why would that be special? Why would that be significant? Well, let me tell you this, that you're alive for a purpose. God has a plan for your life 
right here, right now, in this very moment of time, God in his sovereignty has put you where he's put you. He's placed you where he's placed you for such a time as this. God has a purpose. God has a plan for you and I. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe in destiny? Do you believe in purpose? Do you believe in vision? You see, we talk in the church a lot about destiny, a lot about vision, a lot about significance. I've heard it. We've heard it over and over again. In the last 10, 20 years, so many books written about it, so many sermons preached on it, so so much talk about my destiny. Well, let me tell you, God has a destiny, and his destiny for your life is still intact right now, right here in the midst of a global crisis. Oh, I wish you believed that this morning, that in this hour of history, God still has a plan. The first Palm Sunday, everything was prepared. Everything was planned. The Lord had prepared everything. I want you to understand something today, no matter what field of employment, no matter what your career is, no matter if you have children at home and, 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 and all you do is that, and, and I don't say that lightly because that's a lot to do. I know what it was when my kids were at home and my wife was sick and I had to take care of them. All of a sudden, I had a great appreciation for my wife. Whether you, are, whether you work in the medical field, whether you work a, a, a job in, 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 in commerce or a job in, in, in working in a, in a store or a restaurant or whatever, take out whatever you do, I want you to understand God has prepared you for this hour. The Lord has prepared you and I throughout all of our life. Every trial we've been through serves a purpose for right now. Every blessing we've experienced has a cumulative effect to produce something in our life for right now. Every experience, I think of all my experiences in God, in ministry, in missions work, in traveling. I think of those who mentored me and poured into my life. I think of my Bible school training. I think of every blessing. I think of all the prayers and the fastings we have done as a church. They are not in vain. God has a purpose for every trial, every blessing, every experience, everything you've been through. God has grace for every need, mercy for every weakness, peace for every anxiety. I had once uh, heard about a plaque that was hung up in West Point. West Point uh, Academy is the premier military leadership training academy in all the world. It's, it's the standard for all uh, training of military leaders in, in our country and those who serve in the Pentagon, those who serve in military leadership in, in our great uh, our government and, and our, our, our military. They were trained there. And there was this plaque that was on the wall, and I just think it's so profound and so powerful. It said this. The more you sweat in peacetime, the less you will bleed in wartime. The more you sweat in peacetime, the less you will bleed in wartime. What does that speak of? That speaks of being prepared for the hour of battle. 
That means the discipline when, when, when the, there is not a war going on, when it's relative peacetime, when you do your, your devotions on a regular basis, when you pray on a regular basis, when you walk in the will of God, when you obey God, when it comes time for a crisis, you're prepared. And I believe you are prepared for this hour by the grace of God. Can you say amen? Just a couple of thoughts as I just tie this together in looking at this passage. How are we prepared? Number one, we're prepared through surrender. We're prepared for this hour. We're prepared for what God has. We're prepared to face this worldwide crisis, not in our own strength, but through the grace of God. But we're prepared through surrender, through surrender. Verse 34, the Bible says that this this donkey that was needed by Jesus and his plan and his purpose had to be surrendered by the owners. They asked, why are you loosing the colt? And the two men that went to get him said, the Lord has need of him. You see, this donkey was prepared. He was, he was prepared at, at that very moment of time so that God in his sovereign plan and purpose can use that donkey. I want you to understand that we are prepared for this hour for God to use us if we surrender ourselves. Are we surrendered to God? Are we yielded to God? You know, my prayer is I pray, God, I surrender. God, I yield to you. God, you see, a lot of times we can do things outwardly for men to see, and we can look a certain way spiritually, or we can look like we're humble or we're, or we're yielded to God. But you know what? Man looks in the outward, but God looks in the heart. It's not so much what people think of me. It's what God thinks of me. Because you know what? I could appear, or you could appear to be righteous unto men, but in your heart there could be some evil things, some wicked things that you've not yielded, surrendered, and put under the blood of Jesus. So this morning, I want to encourage you. The Lord has need of you like never before. The Lord has need of Victory Church like never before. The Lord has need of all of the churches throughout this country and around the world like never before. You know, when Jesus needed a boat to preach the gospel, what did he do? He asked Peter, can I use your boat? Peter was a fisherman, and Peter needed that boat for his work, for his, his livelihood. But you know what? He surrendered it to Jesus. And you know what? Jesus used it, and then Jesus gave Peter a great catch of fish. You see, Jesus never uses us without blessing us. God is so good. We don't deserve it. I don't deserve his blessing this morning. But you know what? When Jesus uses us, Jesus uses Peter po Peter's boat, but he gives back Peter a great catch of fish. Jesus said about surrender. Surrender's hard for you and I. We like to hold on to things. We have things that are our crutches or our security in life and, and, and things that maybe are tangible there. They're easy to identify and lean upon in the natural because we can see them or feel them or touch them. But you know what? Trusting in the Lord is what's more critical than anything because everything we can lean on, you know what, eventually it'll let us down. Eventually it will not support us. But when we stand upon Christ, the solid rock, we have security. And you see, Jesus said about surrender, whoever has left houses and lands and families for my sake will receive a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come eternal life to no man 
And if we are going to be prepared to be all that we need to be in this hour of human history, what an opportunity. It's difficult. It's challenging. It's downright scary at times. But you know what? In, in, in God, it could be exciting because God's placed us here. God has us here for a purpose. We're the church. We're the body of Christ. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. Would you surrender yourself today that you can be used for God? Mother Teresa was a woman who raised up an orphanage in Calcutta, India that that ministered to tens of thousands of children. She was surrendered to, to God and the purposes of God. There were times where she would go around and need money and ra- need to raise money to feed the children that were under her care, literally thousands. And she would go and she went to one home and, and, and she was asking for money. And you know what someone did when she came asking? Someone spit in her face. And you know, what, you know what Mother Teresa did? She took the spit, wiped it from her face, and she said, thank you, that's for me. Now what do you have for my children? That's surrender to God. No matter what your, your beliefs are about different figures in history, Mother Teresa, whoever, you've got to say that's a surrender that we all need to have. Amen. How else are we prepared for this hour? Not only through surrender, but through humility. Look what it says in verse 35 and 36. Then they took their garments and their clothes. They put them on the donkey, and they also placed them on the the road that Jesus might ride upon them. Here we see the people welcoming Jesus, honoring him. Here they were, you know, in our culture, in our society, clothes are a big thing. They're, they represent us in, in so many ways, our identity, uh, how we want to project ourselves, what we think is stylish, what, how we want to impress people sometimes, and, and, and they become such a big thing. But you know what? These people, they took their clothes, they laid them down, they, they laid them on the ground in the dust so that Jesus might walk on them. They humble themselves. During this time, the people of God need to be bold and strong, but our boldness and our strength come from our humility. Because the Bible tells us when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, He will exalt us. He will lift us up. In God's kingdom, down is up. You want to go higher? you got to go lower. Paul the Apostle shows us that. And one of his first writings was the book of 1 Corinthians, and this is what he said about himself. He said, I'm the least of all the apostles. Now, to be the least of the apostles is still good. I would like to be called the least of the apostles. But that was his first uh, uh, commendation of himself or, or testimony of himself. But as he matured and as he became more humble, he said later in about 60 A.D. in, in the book of Ephesus, he said, I'm least of all the saints. Now he's going a little lower, but he's getting more spiritual. He's, getting, he's growing in his humility. He's growing in his faith. And then finally, one of his last writings, he said, I am the chief of sinners. I don't know if you got that. He started off earlier days in his conversion to Christ. He said, I'm the least of the apostles. A little more time went on, and then he said, I'm least of all the saints. And then finally, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. There's a humility there. That honors God. There's a humility there that really shows how how deep we've grown in our faith. And then lastly, we're not only prepared 
um, by our surrender, by our humility, we're prepared with our praise. Look at this, look at verses 37. It says, they began to praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. They began to say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, our God is still worthy of our praise. Do you know that today he is still the King of kings and Lord of lords. Do you know if we could pull back the curtain in heaven, if we could get a revelation of what's going on in heaven? Matter of fact, we do get that in the book of Revelation. And we do see that in heaven, even in the end times, which the book of Revelation talk about the final days of human history, of which no one knows the day nor the hour, but we can very well be living in that time. But in that book of Revelation, we see that the throne of God is set up, and we see that there are multitudes from every nation, every tribe, every tongue. No man could number. And you know what they're doing? They're worshiping Jesus. They're worshiping God. You see, you worship God according to the revelation of, of his character and of his person. You worship God to the degree that you know him. And I want to know him, and I want to worship him according to that revelation. And our praise and our worship changes the very atmosphere of our life. When you begin to put on praise, when you begin to worship, you realize praise is powerful. Praise puts the enemy to flight. Praise is a weapon. I'm reminded of the Old Testament story. I'm reminded of that time in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 where there was a great army. There were several armies, matter of fact, coming against King Jehoshaphat, and at that time, the Bible says that he was fearful, but he set himself to seek the Lord, and as he sought God, you know what? God gave him a word. God gave him direction, and what was the direction? That they were to go into that battle, and that they were to battle with praise and worship, and even as their army was going out, they were to put the worship team on the front lines. Why? Because in the spirit realm, Praise and worship changes things. In the natural, it doesn't make sense. But in the spirit realm, praise and worship is powerful. We sing that song, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by God. Amen. It may look like we're surrounded by fear. We're surrounded by a virus. We're surrounded by a crisis. But we are surrounded by God. There are more that are for us than they that are against us. Can you say amen? Can you believe that this morning? Can you give God praise today? I close with one last illustration from the Scriptures. You know it in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas thrown in a prison for preaching the gospel. They're at their worst. They have been beaten. They have been put in chains and chained to a wall, chained to other soldiers. And here they are, their lives, they're bleeding out. They're in pain. They're suffering. They're suffering unjustly. And the Bible says at midnight, they began to pray and to sing hymns to God. And, and the rest of the story is that as they begin to pray, as they begin to praise, God sent an earthquake that set them free. Broke the chains off, opened prison doors. But there's something very interesting also in that passage. It says that the prisoners were listening. 
the prisoners were also listening. You know, there's a world that's listening to hear what you're saying, what I'm saying. And listen, we have the fears, the discouragements, the doubts, the questions, all of that just like everyone else does. But this morning, we look to God who's our strength. We get our eyes off of ourselves. We get our eyes off the circumstance. We get our eyes back on God. I've been preaching this for years. I've been believing this for years. But how much more relevant and powerful it is it today? How much more needed? You needed it back then. I needed it back then. But now we realize how much we really do need it. <coughs> I want to do something right now, right in your homes. Can we put this into practice? Can we do it right now? Can you lift your hands right now and say, God, I trust you. God, I praise you this, this morning. God, I look to you today. God, I thank you. God, I worship you. Father, right now I pray in the homes, in the cars, wherever we might be listening around this area, around the world. Father, I pray the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit would be at work in the hearts and the minds of people. God, that we might hear your word, that we might put it into practice. God, that we might worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord God, it's not about what we do or even about our presentation. God, we're not here to try to impress anybody. We're here to worship you. And so, Father, today I pray, Lord, that you would quicken faith in our hearts to give you praise. That the anointing would destroy every yoke of the enemy. That there would be supernatural provision, supernatural grace in this very hour of time. Lord, touch your people. Lord, as we just close in this time, Father, we thank you, Lord, for everyone listening. We thank you for everyone that is reaching out to you right now. We pray a blessing over them. As we close this time in a song of worship, we lift up our hearts to you. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. We trust in you. We praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God bless you. God bless you. Let's close with a chorus of worship. We'll see you this week in our devotions at 12 o'clock. Tuesday, we have a great food drive. We're blessing our community. We blessed over 87 families last week, fed people coming off the streets. It was amazing. We're going to do it again this week. We're going to have a live streaming Wednesday night. We're also going to have a Good Friday service. God bless you. Remember the word of God is powerful. Remember God has prepared you for this hour. Every experience, every blessing, every trial, everything you've been through has positioned you to be a, 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 a strong tower in God, to be a, 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 a tree planted by the rivers of water, to be an oak of righteousness. God bless you. Let's close in worship.